Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag TopDoctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When things go bad economically in a city, it's easy to see. Uh, businesses and jobs disappear. People leave town, often taking a massive beating on their biggest asset, their house. And you end up with Detroit today or maybe even New Orleans in the 1980s. But when things go right, it's a little bit more subtle. Somebody renovates a house in a marginal part of town, someone around the corner has the same idea, and before you know it, you've got a hipster neighborhood like Brooklyn, New York, or Bywater here in New Orleans. That kind of pioneering real estate gamble takes vision, investing in what most people would regard as a bad investment. When that happens on a grander scale, we call it property development. Two of the most visionary property developments in New Orleans' recent recovery have been the Healing Center on St. Claude, which is now encouraging redevelopment around it, and the apartments in the Blue Plate Mayonnaise Building, which have transformed a no-man's land into a desirable address. The person behind both of these developments is sitting across the table from me, Press Kabakoff, CEO and Chairman of the Board of HRI Properties. Uh, Press, welcome to lunch. Nice to be here. My other guest is an authority on the homeowner piece of the New Orleans real estate recovery. Uh, Rick Haas is the president of Ladder and Bloom, the largest real estate company in the Gulf South. Uh, Rick, uh, welcomed out to lunch. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, what do you, uh, you know, we, we were talking about areas like the Bywater and such. What's the, what do you think is going to be the next great, great area in New Orleans? Like five years from now, will we be sitting around saying, oh, if only we had built in Chef Mentor. Right now in, the, in all of greater New Orleans, we've been working off inventory levels since Katrina. Property supply is too great relative to the demand. So in most of the markets, we've been slowly burning off that higher inventory. Some markets had 20, 18, 17 months of supply. That's to say that if another home didn't come on the market, it would take that number of months to burn through the existing inventory. Well, when you look at where we are now, roughly about six or seven, we're still slightly above, in all of greater New Orleans, we're still slightly above um, what we'd call normalized supply and demand. We haven't quite reached equilibrium, but in those higher demand markets that we're talking about, now we're down to, in the case of Garden Uptown, we're under a month's supply of, of properties on the market under 500,000. And that's, an, that, that's what we would call almost an unhealthy um, undersupplied market because it drives property prices too high, too fast, and recreates the bubble that um, some of the other parts of the United States have seen. That's a, that's a good indicator. Press, the, the individual psychology of buying a house 
in a less desirable neighborhood is easy to understand because we're all in the same boat. Uh, we can only buy, we can afford. But what you do is really quite different. You put an enormous amount of money and effort into a project like the Healing Center or the Blue Plate Mayonnaise Apartments. When you embark on one of these projects, how much of it is market research and how much of it is just gut feeling, psychology, vision? Well, if, if you got a great historic building, uh, that's certainly the case with Blue Plate. Blue Plate. You have several, a whole number of iconic buildings in the city, but some are very well known. And Blue Plate, I, I would imagine if you grew up in this part of the world, everybody knows the Blue Plate building. And it was a fine Perez-designed uh, Art Deco wonder. The basic ingredient there was to, to, was to, to get a historic building, and unfortunately the, the, the federal government uh, recognizes that if you save those things, they'll give you some extra money through tax credits. And so uh, there, there are some incentives available to make that make sense. And then in that particular case, uh, we knew that our diaspora after Katrina, and prices went up for apartments, uh, that our artist community, we lost a lot of that. And so we focused on, on, on using the affordable housing tax credit which is a federal incentive to create affordable housing for people making, let's say, $30,000 or less. It's called sort of workforce housing. Uh, we ended up uh, utilizing that to create artist housing and bring our artists back. And we did that in the Bywater, right next to my home. I live in the Ninth Ward, <laughs> down what you're describing as, uh, as pioneering area of town. I, I, I don't think it's very pioneering anymore. Matter of fact, <laughs> if I was looking for a neighborhood, to Pioneer in, I would go on the other side of St. Claude Avenue uh, uh, into St. Rock, in, into St. Claude. I watched that happen 30 years ago on Camp Street uh, uptown, and when that was sort of a derelict area, but now I'm sure it's in your high price zone. <laughs> uh, uh, so in any event, uh, uh, we combined in a wonderful building, and we think a good location actually, uh, uh, artist housing uh, with the necessary incentives to pay for the fact that you can't charge much rent because you're delivering affordable housing. We did the same in, in, in the Bywater. And the Healing Center is a whole other story. That was designed civically, uh, really, by my wife and I to uh, play our role after Katrina. What can we do? And so we decided to create an environment on St. Claude because people had ignored downtown. Uh, I've always worked from Canal Street toward the uptown area. Uh, our downtown, which is French Quarter, uh, uh, Marigny, Bywater, and on the other side, St. Claude, St. Rock, Treme, and, and Iberville, is a very important section of the city. And if we can bring that back and include, include that in our tourist game, in our opportunity for people to live. So the goal with the Healing Center was to do something rather incredible at the major uh, intersection on St. Claude, at St. Claude and, and, and St. Rock, and then encourage the RTA to bring the streetcar back, which we did, and they did. Justin Augustine's been a real hero in that area with the RTA. And then on the housing side, what we recommended was taking those houses on the lakeside of St. Claude, uh, which were, had the double indignity of being poor people's houses and flooding because the waters came from the lake but stopped at St. Claude. So on that lakeside, they got hurt. But there's a lot of historic stock over there. So what we've recommended the city in terms of uh, focusing is that just don't fix one house. 
cluster your development so you can create an environment that other people will come. And we talked about gentrification. If you're, if you're not moving forward, if you don't have dynamic neighborhoods, there are obviously unintended consequences, you're dying. And so we're not a New York, uh, uh, San Francisco, or a Boston where, where you really just can't afford to live in town. We lost a lot of uh, middle income, and so gentrification actually is a healthy thing, I think, for, for, for our city. Uh, very controversial, and I think it's uh, overrated. One of the real brilliant people on that subject is Campanella. You yeah. ought to interview them. He's really got the understanding of how neighborhoods work and when gentrification makes sense and when it doesn't. So, long answer, but that's the answer. <laughs> Another thing, Press, when you talk about um, the artist, the healing center or artist community, what 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 that does is it creates a a um, revitalization of the reason for these communities to re remain vital. I think um, it's so far from just being a housing issue. You know, one of the strengths that New Orleans has um, in terms of its attraction to um, uh, to living in the city is it really is a, a, uh, a city of neighborhoods and what creates the desire to be there are the are, is the, are, are things like the arts community and the quality of life and artist communities healing centers those things add tremendously to the, um, and, and become a magnet for for people who want to live in the city and want to be the city sophisticate dweller that um, and, and not spend their time. That's actually the mission of our company. We're a mission-driven right? company. We revitalize cities by creating diverse, vibrant, and sustainable neighborhoods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We recognize, and so we're really not one project developer. We look at what can we do to pioneer the revitalization of neighborhood in public-private partnership, because it's hard to get your money when you're pioneering, so you need the public to participate to some extent. And then when we're successful, at least our argument to the city and the state and, and our public funders, is that the conventional market will then have confidence to come in and do do projects without subsidies. So that's kind of the bread and butter of our business. And, the, and, the, uh, and there is the economic reward. We're, Right outside our front door on Notre Dame, where we have right now being developed and sold some of the some of the most expensive per square foot condominiums in the history of the city. Um, it's just it's sometimes <laughs> you can't find a parking place. Now. Yeah, you know, well, the, <laughs> <laughs> the first three floors. <laughs> hey, by the way, we can't find a parking spot either. <laughs> Rick, I wanted to ask you: when you're talking to corporations about relocation, is New Orleans getting to be an easier sell? Because even it was always a tough sell. It's an it's a different city. It's uh, uh, when you're talking to corporations. Well, yeah, it is a different city, and and I'll, I'll give you an example. We we signed a um, we signed a recently signed a corporate relocation contract where we're dealing with the largest relocation company in the world. And at the last minute, Bob Merrick and I decided we were going to require them to bring some of their global conferences to the city, help the economy. We got the pen in hand, so here they come, and they make that commitment. Leading into those conferences, the CEO and their chief risk management officer calls and says, Rick, we're having a problem. We're having low turnout sign-ups because we keep reading in the New York Times, Fortune Magazine, the issues of crime. Uh, in the city. So I, I will tell you that while it's tremendously attractive, and if you look at the litany of awards and recognition that the city has received since Katrina, 
um, it speaks well for the future. When you get into you know laying over the crime rate, then we have then we have to deal with some really snarly problems. Um, and uh, one of the uh, one of the things that building community, not just housing, uh, does is it brings back a um, it brings back a, a I would say a calming influence. But we do have some we do, we do have some challenges to overcome in that area. Well, you know, on this the optimistic side, though, I I I I, I believe. Uh, I mean, most inner cities have crime. We certainly have ours, and we get a lot of publicity for it. Uh, and it's something you got to get your arms around. I know they're trying. Uh, but but I, I see New Orleans right now, and I'm curious whether you hear this at all, uh, uh, what saved us becoming a Detroit, a Newark, or a Gary was we had these great neighborhoods. And after Katrina, we did all this neighborhood planning, and the money was slow to come in. Probably would have wasted it if it came in right away. <laughs> But each neighborhood developed their own plan, and it's all starting to, to play out. And again, I mentioned Campanella's name. When I talked to him about it, he indicated that people can now vote with their feet pretty well. They're very mobile with the computers and the rest of it. And we will get our percentage of people in the nation and in the world that are interested in coming to a fascinating city and can relocate, and we will grow that way and we're on that road we have some 30,000 young professionals now that have come in mm -hmm. and I agree with you about the crime we just gotta we gotta win on that but we we are I, I think things are better today than I've seen in my lifetime now let's check out the inbox our producer picks a question that's come in over the past week from a listener and uh, Grant what have you got Peter we have a short question for both our guests this week but a good one from Lyle Waquette who asks us on Twitter Will the East ever recover? You know, I wrote a piece. It was called Return to Splendor, uh, which was an argument that if we fix the inner city, uh, that all boats would, would rise. Uh, and uh, that if you were living in St. Bernard or St. Tammany or, or elsewhere, your, your focus really ought to be to make sure that the center of the city of New Orleans is, is, is working well. Because if you're in Rome or Paris or Beijing, you don't try to say, well, how's St. Tammany doing? Well, that's not the question you ask. It's how's New Orleans doing? And then uh, I was really lambasted by the people in the East. I was saying, doggone it, you're going to put all the money in the, in the city and you're leaving the, the East out. Uh, uh, so I do think that there's some strong, uh, particularly uh, African-American, you know, that was, you, you call white flight, but the, 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 the black flight, uh, went to, in our city, uh, went to eastern, eastern New Orleans, and a lot of that was, was, was low, low ground. But I think you do have some uh, real serious players there that are going to focus on, on keeping the city uh, uh, concentrated on putting a fair share out in the east. I know they got their hospital now, uh, which was uh, 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 quite a fight. Uh, and so uh, I, I think the east will depend, frankly, on growth. Uh, uh, the whole city will. I'd say that you can't. Yeah, I think I think it's absolutely Ooh. right. But the thing I want to be, be careful about is you, a strong core, and New Orleans is that core. Will will lead to a, re a revitalized Eastern New Orleans. That the core has to be there. That's how it was formed originally, out of a strong and vibrant New Orleans, and that's how it'll rebuild. Same same model on that. That's a. Uh, 
And our food has arrived. That's really good news. <laughs> yeah. It's good, too. <laughs> it's time to pay it forward. Uh, that's where we ask our guests to generously use their experience and expertise to help an entrepreneur with a new business. Uh, today, we're talking about a very unusual undertaking, a nonprofit that's dedicated to property development, specifically for teachers. Uh, youth Rebuilding New Orleans uses volunteer youth labor to rebuild distressed and foreclosed homes, which they then sell solely to teachers. Uh, to both stabilize neighborhoods and positively uh, impact the education system. The nonprofit was started in the wake of Hurricane Katrina by William Strout. Uh, William wrote to us to ask our opinions, uh, the, really the opinions of Press and Rick, on the direction of his enterprise. So William says that rehabbing houses as he does it now using 100% cash presents cash flow problems and selling only to teachers is of course a limited market. There's only so many first time buyer teachers looking for houses. So William asks, should we open the buyer pool up and should we get lines of credit? Is there a, another option you'd recommend? On the, you know, on the, first, uh, on the first part of that, should we open up the buyer? Yeah, I think you have to. I think um, the aspirational quality of that program um, is wonderful, and I think at the core, education is going to be the the uh, the largest contributing factor to revitalizing the neighborhoods. I mentioned the crime rate before. New Orleans crime rate, uh, when you really look at it on a neighbor neighborhood by neighborhood basis, um, this program, um, this program, the Youth Rebuilding New Orleans program, does a couple of things. It, it engages a, the right audience for 15 to 24 year old in, in experiencing what it's like to be part of building a community. You can't help but respect community more when you're part of rebuilding it. It gives them a stake in the future and, um, and, and I think um, from, the, from the city's perspective it helps get properties back into commerce. Uh, and you think maybe span beyond teachers, maybe some other good groups? I, that think, I think you could, and I think you don't, have to, you don't have to lose the aspirational quality of vision. I think uh, f first responders um, bring in uh, not quite workforce development uh, housing, but, but open it up in accordance with the mission um, from teachers to first responders and people who are part of rebuilding the community, I think would be a nice next step. And uh, Rick or Press on this part, what about the idea of going from an all-cash business to, which is kind of restrictive in the real estate business, to uh, going ahead and get some lines of credit? What do, you, what do you think? Well, there's some fundamentals here, obviously. I mean, you you got to start by selecting the right neighborhood to build, uh, making sure you, you buy the house right. Uh, if you're using youth labor, uh, uh, making sure that you that, that you're cost of production actually realizes a savings and not uh, 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 an overrun. Uh, I'd certainly praise uh, what this gentleman is, is doing. Uh, uh, and I assume that he's doing all that, he's picking the right houses and, and controlling his, his, his cost. Uh, on, the first, on, the, on the teacher thing, and I know in our artist housing, if, 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 if we can't find an artist, <laughs> we'll find somebody else. Uh, you, you just can't for a moment let something go unsold because you can't find a buyer. So I would certainly, if you can go to first responders or something else, consist with your mission, that's good. But at the end of the day, you got to sell a house. So, so be flexible in, in, in that area. Uh, Especially if you're now borrowing money to do that. Right, <laughs> you got to pay it, pay it back. <laughs> 
And and then the the other is uh, if you can demonstrate. I mean, it's just a banking deal. If you can demonstrate that you've got a good business program, uh, uh, and, a, and, a, and 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 you're not going to get into a, a bind. You know, banks don't like to give people money that really need it. <laughs> but uh, 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 but if it's just a cash flow problem and you can demonstrate that, that's what financing is all all, all about. Uh, I will say, given the the mission. Uh, working with kids, uh, training them, uh, providing housing for for teachers, which is our future. Uh, you might scratch around and look for a little 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 gap subsidy if you're actually trying to fulfill that mission, and it's and it's you can't quite get there. There are uh, go talk to the city and the state, and we use tax credits for artist housing. Uh, uh, sort of our business is driven in, in a pine we pioneer in so many ways. We need to know where every grant is buried and so uh, that's another way if you're going to stick to the mission totally and try to get a little help because you're doing a good work so that's but you and i think it's important the way you you phrase that you said it's about fundamentals yeah. if you're borrowing money to cover the fundamental problem of the business you're in trouble <laughs> if, if the fundamentals are in place by all means it's a cash flow problem leverage a little bit right that is a good lesson. Uh, Press Kavikoff, Rick Haas, we talk a lot on this show about the changing face of New Orleans, and you two are major contributors to that change. It's been great having you here today. Uh, thank you so much for joining me and out to lunch. Please invite me back in the wine room at Commander's. Really, that, that, pretty hard that'll draw. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, a draw. Not been paid. <laughs> <laughs> My guests and out to lunch today have been Press Kavikoff, CEO and Chairman of the Board of HRI Properties, and Rick Haas, President of Ladder and Bloom. To find out more about Press's property developments and Rick's real estate, follow the links on our websites, wwno.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle. The incomparable Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get the show as a podcast, and you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of uh, social media by going onto our websites. It's neworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Aeros Studio monitors, and more. More information about back Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.